The last time they bothered to count, there were 358,590,000 telephones in the world. If you don't count Pitcairn Island, 358,589,971 telephones. The longest telephone call in the history of the world, it lasted 1,000 hours, was made in 1975 at the Western University of Michigan in Kalamazoo. What were you doing on July 26, 1961? You want to know what Mr. and Mrs. Hugh T. Polson of Wichita, Kansas were doing? They were busy becoming the two millionth shareholders in the American Telephone and Telegraph Company. Good old Pennsylvania 65,000. A magic number for dance band fans in the 40s. Now don't bother ringing it now, though. The Hotel Pennsylvania and its Café Rouge, where Glenn Miller dispensed his golden syrup, are long gone now. But here's a much more enchanted number in the history of the telephone than Pennsylvania 65,000, and it's 174465. Does that ring a bell? Some 
Yes, 174465 was the patent number they gave to Alexander Graham Bell in 1876, just over a hundred years ago, give or take a day or two, for his newfangled machine. And, by the way, what a great public relations stunt it was to have the telephone invented by a man called Bell. It puts it in the same league as those solicitors arguing fibs in Sligo and Ken Scotland playing full-back for the land of the Heather and the Haggis and the editor of the Taylor and Cutter being called John Taylor and read and write the Belfast printers. Anyway, they say 174465 was the richest patent ever issued, and why wouldn't it be? With all those telephones jangling like cash registers all round the world ever since. Well, nearly all round the world. Pitcairn Island can only muster 29 subscribers. Bhutan's a bit of a disappointment too. Apparently all they can do is 0.5 of a telephone for every thousand Bhutanese. That's what I call a party line. And at the other end of the line, where else but Beverly Hills, California, where there are 1,600 phones for every 1,000 people. What can they do with them? Unless maybe it's all those movie moguls who can keep three conversations going at the same time. And talking of moguls, the telephone has been a star of show business right from the start. Just think how many times you've watched people in pictures pacing up and down the room with the receiver jammed between shoulder and ear and the cradle dangling from their fingers. You can't do that anywhere but in America. They don't make the leads long enough. Or how about all that rattling of the hook to recall the operator? Did you ever try it here? Hmm, I'll bet you lost your 4P. And then all those movies with telephone titles. Sorry, wrong number. Boy, did I get a wrong number. Calling Northside 777. Butterfield 8. Phone call from a stranger. Dial M for murder. The least Hollywood could do in return was put Alexander Graham Bell on celluloid. And they did. They did in 1939. Don Amici played the dedicated inventor. And there was a long-standing joke around Hollywood for years afterwards that it was Amici who had invented the telephone. The amiable Henry Fonda played the amiable Tom Watson, Bell's assistant. After that, things really started to hum... Why, only 50 years later... Oh, hello, Centrum, give me Dr. Jack. He's got what I need, I say, has. Oh, when the world goes wrong, and God goes through. He's the man that makes me get out of both my family. Ah, 
Somewhere, somehow, there must be a place where you can still call Central and ask for Dr. Jazz. Chicago, maybe, or New Orleans. And in New York, it isn't just plain old doctors you can dial. It's psychotherapists, race results, dial a steak, dial a poem or a joke or a pop song or a money-saving idea. You can even dial a shoulder to cry on. Hello? Hello, Mama. Hello, darling. How are you? Terrible, Mama. Terrible. What is it, sweetheart? Tell Mama. Oh, Mama. Mama. We're snowed in here. The car wouldn't start this morning. (laughs) I think both kids have the measles. The doctor can't come until 5 o'clock. I'm coming down with a cold. The freezer is broken and all the food is spoiled. Mm. And the house is a mess. And on top of that, Mama, 20 ladies from my Hadassah chapter are coming for lunch at 1 (laughs) o'clock. Mama, what am I going to do? Don't worry, sweetheart. Mother is here. (laughs) First of all, I'll go to the supermarket and I'll pick up to eat. Then I'll take the subway to the Long Island Railroad and I'll take the train. Oh, Mama, I don't Please, want darling, you to... it's only an hour and a half to the bus. <laughs> and then I'll take the bus, and from where the bus stopped, I'll walk the 14 blocks to your house. And for you, darling, I'll put the children to bed, and for you, I'll change the sheets and I'll give them an aspirin. So they shouldn't yell and I'll clean up the house And I'll cook something nice for the 20 ladies They'll love it Just don't worry, darling Everything will be okay Isn't that what a mother is for? Oh, Mama Thank you I feel so much better By the way, sweetheart If it's snowing and the car wouldn't start this morning How did Sam get to work? Sam? What's Sam? Sam, your husband. My husband's name is Paul. Is this Tremont 71166? No, this is Tremont 71177. Does that mean you're not coming? Here, well, we've got a long way to go yet. About all you can dial here is the speaking clock and the weather forecast and an alarm clock call, and there you usually get somebody else's. Have you ever really looked at those green pages in the phone book? There's some great reading there. They used to make an extra charge for putting an alarm clock call through to a coin box, but I see they've done away with that now. Mustn't be so many people sleeping in telephone boxes these days. Oh, I almost forgot. You can send a telegram by telephone, too, of course. Hello. Uh, Hello. Uh, I want to send a telegram, please, if I may. Uh, Yes, well, uh, I am the subscriber, uh, and my name is Desmond. (laughs) 
Yours is Glynis. Uh, yes, uh, my surname is Desmond. Yours is Bud. Uh, we seem to be drifting into a relationship of somewhat redundant intimacy. <laughs> Address 23 Gloucester Crescent, NW1, telephone number 485-8319. And the telegram is going to a Miss Tessa Prosser, that's Tessa Prosser, 16 Chalcott Square, SW19. Right, right. No, no, uh, right, right is not the telegram. Uh, no, uh, what I will do, I will say, here is the telegram, and then anything I say subsequent to that will be the telegram. Um, here is the telegram. Are you still there? No, 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 that's not it, no. Um, uh, telegram is, um, bless your little, yes, bless your little, body booze. <laughs> body booze. And I've never been called upon to spell it, I suppose it's B-O-T-T-I-B-O-E-S, though I think probably the last E is not statutory. <laughs> It's a diminutive of bottom, I suppose. <laughs> no, Miss Prosser doesn't have a diminutive bottom. <laughs> That's partly the joke, you see. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, and I want to sign it. Um, Desmond Donkey Draws. <laughs> well, uh, it's a term of affection Miss Prosser is wont to use at moments of heightened excitement. <laughs> well... That's the whole of the message, then I want to round it off by the word Norwich. Uh, Norwich. Well, it's an idiomatic way of saying, knickers off ready when I come home. <laughs> you see, it's the initial letters of each word. Yes. I know knickers is spelt with a K. <laughs> I was at Oxford. It was one of the first things they taught us. <laughs> and in a perfect world, I suppose it would be courage. But I don't think that carries quite the same idiomatic force. Burma. No, I haven't come across there. What's there? Be upstairs ready, my angel. Yes, well, I like that. Very nice. Uh, I don't think it would be appropriate in this case for strictly topographical reasons. <laughs> uh, because Miss Prosser, in fact, lives in a basement flat. Uh, and if she were upstairs ready, she would, in fact, be in the flat of the window dresser from Bonn and Hollingsworth. <laughs> and I don't think she would want that. And I certainly don't think he would. <laughs> That's it, then. Uh, what? Obscene? Norwich? Oh, I, I, I certainly don't think so. Oh, no. I mean, what about the Bishop of Norwich? When he signs his letters, Cyril Norwich, does he mean Cyril Norwich? Or Cyril 
Nickers off ready when I come here. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. The very English Alan Bennett. On this side of the water, though, they do things a bit differently. Back to the green pages. If the person to whom the telegram is being sent is not a telephone subscriber, delivery will be made by hand during normal office hours. So, there you are. If your great-aunt Chloe is going to pack it in, just make sure she does it in normal office hours. Nor hail, nor ice, nor snow can stay this messenger from his appointed round, or words to that effect. But normal office hours can. As for dialing a pop song, heck, there's nothing new in that. On April 30th, 1916, just about the time the post office in Dublin was being used for quite different purposes, Enrico Caruso stood up in Atlanta, Georgia, filled his lungs with clean Dixie air, and sang over the wires to the assembled members of the San Francisco Press Club. It's true. Journalists do meet the most interesting people. Well... They hear the most interesting people anyway. Johnny, get your gun, get your gun, get your gun. They keep on the run, on the run, on the run. Yeah, I'm calling you and me. Every heart of liberty. Hurry right away, no delay. Your daddy glad to have a head such a lad. Tell your sweetheart not to find to be proud there by the lie. Over there, over there. Send the water, send the water over there. That the boys are coming, the boys are coming. The drum, drum, thumbing everywhere. Prepare, say a prayer. Send the water, send the water, so beware. We'll be over, we are coming over, and we won't come back if he's over, over there. Thank you. 
a mixer. Oh, the hard jam. How's it cutting? Oh, not bad. Not too bad at all. Here I was, talking to your man the other night. You know, the big lad above in Kulak. And he was telling me the queer thing. Is that so? Yeah. He was telling me that the binary amplitude modulated signal arriving at the receiver contains whatever noise and distortion was added during transmission like. The demodulated portion of the receiver strips away the high-frequency carrier, do you understand, leaving only a distorted version of the original binary signal sequence. Both the distortion and the added noise, of course, tend to mask the original signal sequence, and this introduces errors in deciphering. Ah, go away, he's pulling your leg. I always understood that signal... Sideband systems were employed for high-frequency radio telephony. These systems use from 3 to 12 kilohertz bandwidths, accommodating 1 to 4 voice channels respectively. In the 4 voice channel system, two elements are transmitted above and two below the carrier frequency. These voice channels can be used alternately to accommodate a group of frequency-multiplied telegraph channels. Yeah, but don't forget, in one technique, three single-sideband telegraph subcarriers, each carrying 200 baud and requiring 340 Hz bandwidth, are spaced 340 Hz apart to cover a portion of the voice 2465 Hz band. Each telegraph channel is in turn capable of accommodating 450 baud teleprinter channels in Time multiplexed form. Is that a fact, Jamza? Uh, uh, will you have another jar? Hello, operator. Operator, I would like long distance, please. <laughs> Hello, long distance. This is a credit card call, please. <laughs> seven five two one five two seven D. K-13. Calling area code 212. The number? 726-5505. Extension? 9118. My number? 828-3644. Room? 4041. My name? Tui Forsyth. Thank you. Hello. May I speak with Wanda Tennyson, please? Wanda Tennyson. Is this extension 9118? Is this 726 is this area code 212? I beg your pardon. Put your sweet lips a little closer to the phone. Let's pretend that we're together all alone 
I'll tell the man to turn the jukebox way down low And you can tell your friend there with you He'll have to go Whisper to me Tell me do you love me true Or is he holding you The way I do Though love is blind Make up your mind I've got to know Should I hang up Or will you tell him He'll have to go You can't say the words I want to hear While you're with another man Do you want me answer yes or no? Darling, I will understand Put your sweet lips a little closer to the phone Let's pretend that we're together all alone I'll tell the man to turn the jukebox way down low And you can tell your friend there with you you'll have to It is conceivable that cables of telephone wires could be laid underground or suspended overhead, gentlemen, communicating by branch wires with private dwellings, counting houses, shops, manufactories, etc., etc., uniting them through the main cable with the central office, where the wires could be connected as desired, establishing direct communication between any two places in the city. I believe that in the future, gentlemen, wires will unite the head offices of the telephone company in different cities, and a man in one part of the country may communicate by word of mouth with another in a distant place. Uh, go ahead, Mr. President. This is Houston out. Hello, Neil and Buzz. I'm talking to you by telephone from the over room at the White House. And this certainly has to be the most historic telephone call ever made. I just can't tell you how proud we all are of what you see. For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. And for people all over the world, I am sure they too join with America in recognizing what an immense feat this is. Because of what you have done, the heavens, have become a part of man's world. And as you talk to us from the sea of tranquility, it inspires us to redouble our efforts to bring peace and tranquility to Earth. For one priceless moment in the whole history of man, all the people on this Earth are truly one. One in their pride in what you have done. And one in our prayers that you will return safely to Earth. 
Thank you, Mr. President. It's a great honor and privilege for us to be here representing not only the United States, but and a peace of all nations, and with interest and a curiosity and, and with a vision for the future. Uh, honor for us to be able to participate here today. And thank you very much, and I look forward, all of us look forward to seeing you on the Hornet on Thursday. Look forward to that very much, sir. Mr. Nixon now hanging up the telephone, and the men... Columbia, Columbia, this is over. Camera. American presidents have always been great people for telephones. Some of them even bugged their own. Herbert Hoover was the first to have one installed on his desk, as well, of course, as being the first to have a vacuum cleaner in his closet. Before that, he had to use a phone booth outside his office, and I suppose his Secretary of State had to keep a pocket full of dimes ready. I put a nickel in the telephone.
Mommy's house I hurried When I looked inside the phone was off the hook, hook, hook Walked up to my baby Then I got my baby's number He was busy in the parlor doing fine Busy kissing someone else While I was keeping busy Getting a busy life I first met Alexander Graham Bell in 1874 when he came to the shop in Boston while I was working to have his harmonic telegraph constructed. The work was assigned to me. During the month that we were working together on his telegraph, Bell often spoke to me of another invention he had in his mind. It was the telephone. I remember my surprise when he first told me that he expected soon to be able to talk by telegraph, explaining to me his conception of an electric current that would copy the vibrations of speech. Guided by the light of his own wonderful theory, Bell found the road leading to the realization of his speaking telephone idea. On the evening of March 10, 1876, Bell sat in front of the new transmitter in the back room, which I had made into a laboratory for him, on the top floor of number five Exeter Place, Boston, and I went down the hall to the front room to listen for the results with a telephone receiver. But as Bell was about to speak into the new instrument, a motion of his arm upset over his clothes a battery jar of acidulated water. In the excitement of the accident, Bell called out to me, Mr. Watson, come here, I want you. The big mouthpiece picked up his call for help and I heard every word of it through the receiver at my ear. The new transmitter was better than we had expected or had dared hope. Bell forgot the accident in his joy over the success of the test that filled the entire evening. He had brought his great invention to the point where its future was assured. And this first sentence, ever sent through the telephone, although apparently very commonplace, was really highly significant, for the telephone today renders no service more vital than in times of emergency. And the first message it ever transmitted was unquestionably an emergency call. Hey, that didn't sound like Henry Fonda. Well, no, it wasn't. That was Tom Watson himself, recorded in 1926, telling us how he patiently played second fiddle in the great event. Boswell to Alex Bell's Johnson, Crocker to Alex Bell's Kojak, and, well, Watson to Alex Bell's Sherlock Holmes. In all the shenanigans of the centenary year just past, poor old Tom got a bit of a raw deal. And yet, it turns out, it was Tom Watson's equipment that was used all the time in the historic breakthrough. It was Tom who put together all the gear in that house in Boston in 1876. What a saint he must have been. Just think what might have happened if he'd taken the sulks and refused to play and picked up his ball and gone home. Yeah, who, who is it, Murray? Sir Walter Raleigh from the colony. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, put him on, will you? Uh, Harry? Yeah, you want to pick up the extension? It's, uh, it's Nutty Wall again. <laughs> uh, 
Hi. Hi, Walt, baby. How are you, guy? How's, how's everything going? I think things are fine here, Walt. Did we get the what? Uh, the boatload of turkeys. Yeah, they, they arrived fine, Walt. Uh-huh. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're still here, Walt. They're, they're wandering all over London, as a matter of fact. Uh, see, that's, uh, that's an American holiday, Walt. Uh-huh. What is it this time, Walt? You, you got another winner for us, uh, do you? <laughs> tobacco. <laughs> What's tobacco, Walt? It, it's a kind of leaf. And you bought 80 tons of it. <laughs> uh, let me get this straight now, Walt. You, you bought 80 tons of leaves? This, uh, this may come as kind of a surprise to you, Walt, but uh, uh, come fall in England here, we're kind of up to our... Uh... It, it isn't that kind of leap. Uh, but what is it, a, a special food of some kind, is it, Walt? Not exactly. It has a lot of different uses. Well, like, what are some of the uses, Walt? Are, are you saying snuff, Walt? What's, what's snuff? You, you take a pinch of tobacco. <laughs> and you shove it up your nose. <laughs> and it makes you sneeze, huh? <laughs> I, uh, I imagine it would, Walt, yeah. <laughs> See, uh, uh, Goldenrod seems to do it pretty well over here, Walt. <laughs> it, it has some other uses, though. You, you can chew it <laughs> or put it in a pipe or... Or you can shred it up and put it on a piece of paper and roll it up. <laughs> don't, don't tell me, Walt. Don't, don't tell me. <laughs> you, you stick it in your ear, right, Walt? <laughs> All, all between your lips. Well, uh, <laughs> then, then what do you do to it, Walt? <laughs> you set fire to it, Walt. Uh. <laughs> so much for the fun the telephone has given the comedians, the songwriters, etc. But if Watson had not played ball in Bell's telephone game... Well, it might not have mattered much in Bhutan, but Connor Cruz O'Brien would still be minister for smoke signals and carrier pigeons, and all those people in Beverly Hills would still be talking to themselves. Bye-bye now.